The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, Hour 2, or the second half of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner Program. And joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our roundtable regulars include, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Welcome back, Paul. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. Hi, Tom. And joining us this week, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Hi, Jan. Hello. Um, as I, uh, as we were wrapping up the uh, the last hour, I was just about to get to. Uh, this was something I think we talked about last week about the. Um, uh, about the governor and the attorney general and the secretary of state teaming up to uh, call for the disbarment of of lawyers that uh, participated in um, election uh, conspiracy uh, suits, lawsuits. Um, but uh, Sidney Powell, who was one of those attorneys, I believe, says a court should not sanction Sidney Powell and other attorneys involved in filing a Michigan election lawsuit filled with conspiracies and unfounded allegations because, among other reasons, they say in their response that the allegations are provable. Powell and her team have not provided any credible evidence to support any of their incorrect claims that the Michigan election results were fraudulent, instead presenting false reports that rely on conjecture, inaccurate information, or misleading testimony. In the pleading filed in a Detroit federal court on Friday, though, the attorneys do repeat many of the allegations that have prompted widespread ridicule and multiple multiple billion-dollar defamation suits. 
It also includes basic inaccuracies, and, uh, inaccuracies, including a claim the city of Detroit does not operate local elections. It does, and that Powell did not sign the original lawsuit. If proof exists, why not just present it? Yeah. That's right. That's been my, my argument for those 60-some cases that have gone to the courts already on the, on the election, is that, yeah, if the proof is there, let's see it. And, it. and for the most part, it hasn't been. So, you know, on, on the other hand, I, the, other, the other thought I had on that is that I wonder if... Hello, if, can you hear me? Yeah, Henry. Yeah, you're back, Henry. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. thank you. Um. Um, oh, I was going to say, uh, in terms of, of, of potential punishments, I wonder, is, is disbarment the only option, or are there, are there within the Bar Association, are there other penalties possible? Be, uh, well, I think there are versions of censure. Yeah, I, I'm thinking some kind of a censure might be more appropriate there. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, in terms of the history of how the Bar Association handles those kind of things. Well, Governor Whitmer's out-of-state fundraising grew along with her national profile, according to campaign <coughs> finance reports reviewed by M Live in 2019. 91.5% of Whitmer's fundraising through direct contributions to her campaign came from in-state. In 2020, 73.6% did. During her campaign for governor in 2018, Whitmer joked that she'd become the fix-the-damn-roads lady, but her national profile has grown far beyond that catchphrase, and national dollars have come along with it. Whitmer kicked off 2020 by delivering the Democratic response to former President Donald Trump's State of the Union address. She became one of the first state leaders to criticize his response to the coronavirus pandemic, and he drew more national attention to her every time he reacted. She was <laughs> tapped as a campaign co-chair for now President Joe Biden's campaign, spoke at the Democratic National Convention, was in serious contention for his vice presidential pick, and helped plan his inauguration. She became a meme, Big Gretch, saw her quotes turned into shirts and candles, and was even parodied on Saturday Night Live. Do you think the national dollars she's attracting is fueling national ambitions? Um, they're enhancing them. Yeah, I just, she it has, has, to, um, it has yeah. to open some new horizons. Well, I mean, we'll see how it yeah. plays out in the next couple of years, yeah. but it certainly has to open some options to her. Yeah, and besides, she has probably those uh, the, those ambitions. That she's good enough and she's young enough to to uh, to do that and to pursue it. And now is the only time that's uh, the greatest opportunity to do that. And she's getting great responses from it. Well, it's time to to move on to um, the the big event in uh, Washington going on right now, and uh, that of course is uh, the historic second impeachment trial of uh, former President Donald Trump. I want to play, uh, this is just about two and a half minutes, I want to play just some snippets from the uh, the Senate yesterday as they lead up to uh, what the trial that actually begins today. This was whether or not to have the trial. The text of the Constitution makes clear 
There is no January exception to the impeachment power. That presidents can't commit grave offenses in their final days and escape any congressional response. That's not how our Constitution works. Judgment, in other words, the bad thing that can happen, the judgment, in cases of impeachment, i.e. what we are doing, shall not extend further than removal from office. President Trump no longer is in office. The object of the Constitution has been achieved. He was removed by the voters. It's no wonder that President Trump would rather talk about jurisdiction and a supposed January exception, rather than talk about what happened on January 6th. Make no mistake, his arguments are dead wrong. They are distractions from what really matters. The Senate can and should require President Trump to stand trial. But there isn't a single one of you who, A, doesn't consider yourself a patriot of the United States. And two, there isn't a single one of you who doesn't consider the other 99 to be patriots of the United States. And that is why this attack on the Constitution will not prevail. At the end of the day, this is not just about Donald Trump or any individual. This is about our Constitution and abusing the impeachment power for political gain. We cannot have presidents inciting and mobilizing mob violence against our government and our institutions because they refuse to accept the will of the people under the Constitution of the United States. Much less can we create a new January exception in our precious, beloved Constitution that prior generations have died for and fought for So the corrupt presidents have several weeks to get away with whatever it is they want to do. History does not support a January exception in any way. So why would we invent one for the future? Those hey, NBC were... News viewers, thanks Oops. for checking out our YouTube channel. Oops. That wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> um that was uh, some excerpts, obviously courtesy of NBC News, uh, from yesterday's uh, debate in the uh, U.S. Senate over whether or not the uh, impeachment trial was constitutional. The Senate voted yesterday that the second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump is constitutional after the House made an emotionally compelling case showing how rioters violently breached the U.S. Capitol and attacked police officers last month, invoking Trump's name as they tried to disrupt the certification of the November election. The 56-44 to 44 vote, however, showed why there's little path for the, the House managers to obtain the two-thirds majority needed for conviction as all but six Republican senators voted for a second time that the trial was unconstitutional because Trump is no longer president. Senator Bill Cassidy, a Louisiana Republican, was the only senator to vote differently than the procedural vote last month on the constitutionality of the trial. Cassidy told CNN yesterday after the manager's presentation that it was a very good opening and they made strong arguments. 
The vote was held Tuesday after Trump's second impeachment trial began with the House impeachment managers showing how rioters violently breached the U.S. Capitol and attacked police officers invoking Trump's name as they tried to disrupt the certification of the November election. How many Bill Cassidy's do you think may emerge during the uh, actual trial that gavels at noon today? I would guess fairly few. You know, my thought is that the the only way that you're going to get 17 Republicans is if one or, or both of two things happen. If Mitch McConnell, you know, comes out with a green light and says I'm going to vote to convict, if that should happen, and I don't think it's going to, but if that should happen, that could change things. The other thing is if there were some clear evidence that emerges of some clear contact with the White House and the rioters. You know, some emails, some phone calls, some meetings. If that should emerge, that could change it. But barring those two things, I just don't see where you're going to get 17 Republicans uh, to, to, to join the to join to vote to convict. And I agree with you. And uh, the country's widely divided. Uh, what did, we have what a consist- constituency back home. What did you and think, Dave Henry, Biden, when Bill Cassidy said... You know, basically, yeah, I didn't think this was especially uh, constitutional, but I think the trial should go on because the impeachment managers made a good case. Well, that was unfortunate. But then he's coming from the best that he knows and his constituency and the people who influence him. He may be threatened, just like our city councilman here, maybe. Who knows? But nevertheless, there are some forces out there that you have to reckon with. It's not all that's just right and wrong and honesty and all that stuff, but it's the forces around you. If the forces around you in the American populace, it is not good, and, we're, and all of the people, the people, we the people, are flawed in their thinking like we are right now, and it looks like all of us, 320 million, are flawed. And we're very divided, and people are afraid to be honest and open and say what it is, both on the Democrat side and the Republican side. They're afraid of the consequences, and and so <clears throat> what we have to, what uh, we have to work out of this in a different way. And whatever comes out is the way it ought to come out. Um, and I I do think that it was unfortunate that we went ahead with the impeachment process because our kids are watching us. And what they learn today will be practice, put in practice 20 years from now. And they don't see any good things that we're doing. They don't, they don't see any need to uphold the Constitution. They don't see any need to be better Americans. We're no better than the animals of the kingdom because look what we're doing. Look what we're doing to Trump. A president of the United States. We, we and it's uh, and it's not just it's not just Donald Trump, Henry. Look at what we're doing to Liz Cheney. Um, yeah, yeah. Look it's what the, people. It's the animal kingdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, we, and the democracy was supposed to make us different than that, and it was. We could live with our flaws, and uh, <clears throat> there were uh, the presidents of the past who knew that we had flaws and that the Constitution had flaws in it, things that it could not change. For example, look how we have voted ourselves to just transition 
into a Henry, socialist state. I hate to yeah. do this to you, but we have to take a short break. We'll Thank pick you. it up there when we return. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Janworth Nelson. Both chambers of Congress have now passed a budget resolution, a key procedural step that sets up the ability for Democrats to pass President Joe Biden's sweeping $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package without the threat of a filibuster from Republicans who oppose it. The Senate passed the budget resolution early Friday morning, 51 to 50, on a party-line vote after Vice President Kamala Harris showed up at the Capitol to break the tie. The House passed the resolution later in the day Friday. The House had already passed the budget measure earlier in the week, but because it was amended in the Senate, it needed to go back to the House for a final vote. Will using this procedural method of reconciliation harm the President's ability to get GOP support for future agenda items? In some cases, yes, it will. Because uh, you can only use reconciliation once, I, once a year, I believe. So it, that uh, that option is yeah. off the table for the for the near future, at least. What and, might and is, affect is that the public is wildly in favor. Is wild, this is very popular with the public, and um, I don't think the public cares whether it was supported by the Republicans if they yeah. get something that they want. If the public. Uh, yes. sees the benefits of it. So it mm-hmm. could be that the political pressure from the bottom up might uh, affect Republicans' willingness in the future to work with Biden. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just being a dreamer on that. But it, it, I don't think that the public really cares that much uh, how many Republican votes there are if they get a check for $1,400, let's say. Yeah, I think Jan is right. I think I think a, a I year think from now, if right people, people think the economy is in good shape, they're not going to care about the inside baseball yeah. stuff of whether yeah. it's reconciliation yeah. or whether you got a couple Republicans or not. It's and the bottom line is that Biden will get the blame or the credit for how for how well things turn out in six months or a year down the road. Yeah, and 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 my thought is uh, as we can. Continue to diminish the dollars, that, the discretionary dollars that we have to do other things with, while the Chinese now is getting ready to put a new coin on the on the market that rivals the dollar. We're in a very weakened state right now, and Americans are not looking at that. They're not even thinking about it. But there are consequences that we must live with, and that we cannot change once all of this action happens. China is close to being the world's dominant power, and we're going to see the dollar. And we're thinking, uh, we're not thinking outside the box, and that's dangerous. And I hope that we will remember that. When, yeah, uh, I, Henry, I want I want my fourteen hundred dollar check as much as anybody, <laughs> but I am concerned about the, the yeah. long-range implications mm-hmm. of a so Congress that doesn't seem to have the discipline to figure out how to recover deficit once it's been made. Right. 
Yeah, that's what we have to follow. That's what we have to be concerned about. Now, most of us are not thinking about this. We're only thinking about our own. But I'm thinking about the future as if I were going to live in it. I treat the future just like it's mine. But, uh, but I think, I think there's going to be some long-term financial implications of the pandemic for, yes. for many years after the pandemic is, is done and gone, that we're still going to have some, finance, some major financial issues to work with. But you know, the rest I, of the world suffers that same uh, struggle because they're going through the same pandemic uh, yeah, exercise. Yeah, but, yeah go ahead. We've got to look at what's good for Americans, how we sustain ourselves, our kids' future. Go well, ahead, Jan. Um, the, only, the only D that I got in my otherwise sterling GPA in college was in economics, so I'm not... <laughs> to speak on this, but it does seem to me that um, I find it interesting that economists on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, are saying that this particular type of investment is probably a good thing, yeah. uh, in the, even in the long term. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I mean, I know it goes. You know, the Republicans are going to suddenly now come back to their we hate the defi- we hate the deficit arguments that they always make only when not when they're in power but when the democrats are in power so they're rediscovering their 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 views about about deficits but i do find it interesting that uh, a lot of economists are saying going bold and big like this is actually good um, so what well, do you, you know make- go ahead jan i just saying what do you make of that Oh, well, you know, so maybe maybe the, the wartime analogy makes some sense here. I mean, during World War II, we ran up huge deficits uh, for obvious reasons to, to take care of all those issues. But and then in the years that followed, we did finally handle those. So I mean, in many ways, the wartime analogy with with the pandemic might be more appropriate than we think, and it, yeah. it, it might well justify that kind of expenditure. Can I ask Jan? Yeah. How ahead, do Anne. you how do you envision us coming out of this? Uh, Phenomena. If we spend big right now, how well, with all of the forces that are yeah. uh, working against us, how do you map so, uh, thumbnail again, sketch of how we get out of it? Speaking quite humbly, because I I don't always know how to think in the macro terms. Uh, you know, I'm. But it seems to me that part of Biden's task that he's trying to do is to convince. The American people that government can act in their interests, that government can help them, and uh, we've lost that. I mean, on on all sides, people have. You know, I think that that if you start looking at who those people were at the insurrection, those are people that really feel like they have lost everything, that they've lost the country, they've lost their participation in it. So uh, this might be a sidelong way to answer your question, but I feel like if the actions that are being taken by the Biden administration, if they turn out to be, you know, if they're, they're addressing what people really need, it seems, um, that the amount spent is probably worth it. If it means that people, that we start getting back, turning slowly back to paying attention to what is actually needed by the people and that government can deliver. Like, you know, I just have mm-hmm. this sense all the time that government can't do a damn thing right. So everything we try to do, it just it's inept. It doesn't work. I mean, even the distribution of the vaccines, you know, we wait for this fabulous vaccine. We get it. And now it's like Darwin, Darwinian, you know, survival of the fittest, whether people in their 70s can get their vaccine. So my, my, my answer to your question uh, is, 
I believe that the way that this could turn out would be that the government figures out the way, the government that we've elected, so this is the consequences of an election, um, delivers some things for people that helps us uh, move forward in very basic ways. You know, uh, do we have enough to eat? Do we have health care? Can we get kids back to school? I mean, all the really basic things. If government can do that, then we have a, we have the we have some hope for the future. I think so. I'm I'm talking That's in a really good point. And, I, I know and, I, and to I over like your explanation and to, and to oversimplify the uh, the actual impact. Um, I I think the hope is that people will through these big relief measures. This is not the first one that people will survive in order to recover. Right. That's true. Yeah. We can start to yeah. believe again that our that we can make something get better, that we can make something work better in our country, which is not how it's felt for the last 10 or 15 years, has it? I mean... And, Jan, you know, I really appreciate that explanation, and you're right. I don't disagree with you, but there are other factors bearing down on us that we're not weighing into the problem. One is the resources are declining and population are rising. Yeah. So anything you do uh, is um, sacrificed by these other factors that's rising that's not being... Uh, yeah. Yeah, once the... Once but the you are right. we should got to keep our people... Happy, or else we will fall apart. You're, you're right there. I... And my my big concern is that when the recovery begins, um, and and people can get back to work, there aren't going to be enough jobs for people. Right. And that's yeah. not yeah. just from the the that's pandemic. It. That's not because some restaurants and bars closed. That's yeah. because there's a robot that could do anything I can yeah, do better. Well. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, the main issue with the, auto, with the, the auto, auto jobs is automation. <laughs> For all the talk yeah. about outsourcing, I mean, the fact that we've lost auto jobs here in Genesee County, among a lot of other places, is in, in, in large part due to automation. And that's, that's going to be, I, I think that's going to be the next big thing. But here's, here's something I found kind of interesting, um, and it doesn't involve macroeconomics, uh, Jan, because I'm the same as you. <laughs> when, whenever I have uh, Chris Douglas on the show to talk about the stock market and all that, I, my eyes just glass over. I, I'm, I'm not always able to keep up. The White House is bringing back weekly addresses from the president directly to the American people, continuing in the tradition of President Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chats. The reinstatement of the presidential addresses is another return by the Biden administration to presidential traditions and norms, including the resumption of daily White House press briefings. Will these communication efforts can these uh, communication efforts help lessen existing political divides? Well, there's got to be action behind it. Um, I mean, they, you know, I'm loving, I'm loving those press briefings. I'm, I absolutely love them. And, um, you know, Biden isn't the greatest orator. I mean, he's kind of, I kind of cringe sometimes when he makes his little speeches. But uh, I think that will only work if there's action and results that's evolving behind it. So I think that's the key thing. Otherwise, it's just more political talk. Well, you know? here's the deal. Um, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, th- that's that's one of those drinking games. Every time President Biden says, uh, "Well, here's the deal." Come on, man. Yeah, come on, yeah. man. Here's the deal. It's all malarkey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing about Joe Biden that I think helped him in the election, and I think may help him as he navigates governing as president, is that there is a calming effect when he speaks. Yes. There's a a genuineness about him as well as an individual, as a human being. And Henry, I think you've commented on that before. Yeah. Well, I, I've watched uh, Biden since he's been in the Senate, so I I have a lot of respect for him in the past, uh, and uh, like I do for many people who is good at um, government processes, and he was. And uh, I, I hope my Republicans are listening to this because they also have people that they respect who were uh, different parties than they do. And and I suspect that that's probably um, the most important part of, you know, the, quote, presidential voice is not so much the authority with which you communicate, but the the compassion and, and the calming influence. Reagan had that. Um, FDR's fireside chats were that kind of presentations as well. Well, and and even Jimmy Carter tried to to bring that yeah. back yeah, that's right, a little that's bit. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like the idea that Biden is saying we can still solve big problems. You know, we yeah. we can do big things. We can, you know, I really I really like that. Um, and and crucially to me, for whatever maybe I'm naive about this, but I don't believe he's going to lie to us like Trump did 30,000 times in his in his time in office. I mean, I feel like uh, Biden is, this is one of those times where, uh, as sort of a uh, an old heathen non-believer myself, I'm really glad that our president is a religious guy, <laughs> because I feel like you know, he's a good Catholic boy, and he knows the difference between right and wrong, at least he's trying to reflect that. Uh, and so, I don't know, I think I'm yeah, off the... And- and I have to say that I'm pleased when he said that he won't be involved with the impeachment process. That yeah. frees him up yeah, that, that to was deal with the for problems of, of the American people rather than political. Right, things. right. But I do have to say, um, and maybe I'm just throwing another jab at already depressed Henry, but I... <laughs> I, I don't I, well, don't pick on Henry. I'm getting better. <laughs> I, I feel like the central issue is the big lie. It was a lie. It was a lie that our former president uh, per- perpetuated t- for two months after the election. And I think that that is un- unforgivable. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a betrayal against the country. And that, so that, it's very important to me that that be called out and that that be spoken aloud time after time after time because maybe eventually that will get through to some of the 71 million who voted for this for this man. Uh, and I feel that Biden is uh, a turn back to a lack of cynicism. Uh, he's not cynical. He's not a cynical person. He's probably, you know, um, so anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, venting a little bit there, but 
Henry, I, I feel like the reason for the impeachment, it's like you said something like what they're doing, what they're doing to Trump. What they're doing to Trump yeah. is to hold him accountable for an immense lie that has caused endless trouble in, in the democracy. So I, I, I'm afraid I have a really strong view on that one. But what are you doing to the democracy by desecrating right. this man? You know, they, if you go back to Roman and Greek uh, um, history, this is what the Greeks did. This is what the Romans did. They left people out to die. They threw men and women in the, in the arena and let big cats eat them alive. They, they put two men in the arena with shields and a sword, and they allowed them to haste themselves to pieces. And, and then when it comes to slavery in the United States, what did they do? They put women out in the field, carrying a baby on the back and dragging a 100-pound sack picking cotton with with minimal water. And they whipped by bacteria. They whip? uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. But but then the the democracy that was created in 1789 guaranteed us a better way to look at human nature and how we govern ourselves. And, I think, uh, as, as, so, Jan, as Jan says, one of the biggest losses in the last four years has been truth. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't yeah, just the election; yeah. it was the pandemic so, and so lots of other things too. We can still get past that. <laughs> but you can't you can't get past it by taking a man who has represented the pinnacles of power and desecrate him by the way we are doing today. Uh, that I dis- is the animal dis- kingdom. I so, totally disagree. We must we must deal with that lie because that was a huge lie that has caused so much trouble in the democracy. It's not <laughs> the Democrats that are causing the trouble, Henry. It's it's this man and all the people with him who perpetrated a lie that led to the overtaking of our capital that I know you love. I mean, I just don't see how you can have sympathy for or, or how well, you can, it's a democracy. Uh, it's what I, I believe in the democracy first. Okay, so uh, he did not, not... In political parties first. I don't believe in political parties. But I think first, one of the problems is that it's it's Donald Trump. And the big lie didn't start two months ago or three months no, ago. No, it didn't. With but the it was election. It, exacerbated. It was. It was just. It was Donald Trump's style to just well, say whatever birth, sounded birth. good to him at the time. Facts be damned. Yeah, the birther movement was one of his big things, and he, even going further back with the Central Park uh, He thought that, uh, that, the, uh, that the majority of votes that Hillary Clinton got in 2016 were stolen. I apologize him. to you, except there's one thing. There were irregularities in the voting process. And we've talked about uh, voting honesty and integrity at the polls a lot on this program. And there were times when I said that even a single vote counted. Uh, And and then there were times I said, well, it didn't matter much because one vote out of millions of votes won't matter much. Henry, uh, I I, I just want to interject there um, because I think there are always irregularities in every election in every tabulation I agree. in every financial statement <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I, I i don't i don't think that that i think the georgia secretary of state and i apologize that that i cannot think of his name just now 
But I think he put it best when he said, we investigated this thing three times and found no widespread fraud. Yeah. No, I, I would argue this may have been our most honest, upfront election we've ever had. After all, everything was double and triple checked. There were audits all over the place. So, yeah, there were mistakes made and here and there. But compared to any other election, I suspect we have to own up to those. It may be our most honest election. Was the democratic was democracy in action? This was democracy in action. Biden won. Oh, I'm not doubt. I don't. You know, oh. I conceded this a long time ago. If you, yeah, this that's is, right. Uh, a mood question. I no, I, that I, I think I, I. If you'll forgive me uh, interpreting a little, Henry, I, Henry has always demonstrated a um, a classical respect for the president and the person who holds that office, and he's easily offended by um, efforts that seem to be attacking the presidency and or the person in it. Um, and my yeah. parents were very much that way. But, um, but let me just throw in here, again, I feel hot on this point, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd better be, uh, this is my exit, guys. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I feel Trump himself desecrated that office so i feel that if you're trying to respect that office when when the man who holds it treats it with such disdain and and dis, and desecration himself then somebody like henry should feel offended as well i but, do whenever yeah. you offend the office of president remember i was born here this is my country i know and i don't care what other people that look like me say but this is my country that's it, and I defend. Well, I want to try and squeeze one more thing in before we uh, bump up against the break, and and I, <laughs> I, I don't want to bump Liz Cheney. She's gotten kicked around enough. Um, the Wyoming Republican Party voted Saturday to formally censure uh, Representative Cheney, the number three Republican in the House, for her vote to impeach former President Donald Trump in the latest example of a state GOP punishing lawmakers who have bucked the former president. I'm not going to go through the whole piece. Um, Cheney was one of just 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump for a second time. And she told uh, CNN on Wednesday she does not regret her impeachment vote. Um, let's see. Uh, last week, the South Carolina Republican Party voted to formally censure Representative Tom Rice, who delivered one of the most surprising votes for impeachment. My question is, and we only have about a minute, are these grassroots Republican organizations going to regret the actions they've taken to try to hold on to the former president's base? Henry, take I, it away. Um, yeah, I, 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 well, I, I, I think, I mean, it, I, I it think the, the Republican Party has some internal work to do to save itself from itself. Yeah. Because uh, we all have these, uh, 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 we all have our improprieties that we have to deal with, and they're in all of us. We all have our fears, and the Republican Party has to start internally to do that. And you know, that's what up to many of the people and the leaders. And the loyalty the to Trump is 
I'm going to say that what mystifies me is the loyalty to Trump is almost a cult-like thing. It's almost a matter more for psychology than political science. To try and <laughs> I've, I've seen the, that point made before. Is. Well, we're going to we're going to uh, leave it there for a moment and take a short break, and we'll come back with. Can uh, I just say this? But, well, but anytime you when we come back, is the okay. Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. 
Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, normally, this is where I would start into the X-Files, but I, uh, once again, I cut Henry off by uh, going to break, and he was just about to make a point. And before you make that point, I, I want to share a phone call that came in uh, during the break with Jan. Uh, Bobby Clayton Walton called in and said, tell Jan I'm with her all the way. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, Henry, I, I cut you off, and I apologize. Um, did you want to make a comment before we go to the X-Files? Henry? Did we lose Henry? Oh, hmm. oh dear. Oh, that's Henry uh, hanging up and calling back. I think we're gonna we're gonna pause for a moment while uh, we wait for Henry to rejoin us. There and go. there he is, and we'll transfer him right now. And Henry should hello. be back. Hello, there you are. Uh, no, that you're was back, the The boogeyman is after me for uh, disrespecting the round table. It's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Or as my grandmother used to say, it's communists. <laughs> anyway, uh, just before we went to break, Henry, you were uh, uh, you said, let me say something, and then the break happened. And that, that uh, well, happens. Uh, let's bypass that, and I'll pick it up next time. Okay, fair enough. Okay, thank you. Well, this is always my favorite part of uh, armchair politics when we do the final segment, which is... Uh, the, uh, as I refer to them, the coveted X-Files. And uh, it's getting harder and harder to tell uh, which, is, uh, which are the headlines and which are the X-Files. Um, but here we go. Politically active pets are out of luck in New Hampshire, where some lawmakers have been told to keep their cats and dogs out of the room when they log on for remote hearings. Representative Anita Burroughs, a Democrat from Glenn, said her cats, Yoshi and Jack, have made appearances during several recent House Commerce and Consumer Affairs Committee hearings, including Wednesday when Yoshi's fluffy black and white face partially obscured her own as he moved in for some attention. No one objected at the time, but a colleague later passed along a message from the committee chair, Republican Representative John Hunt of Ringe, 
Uh, Burroughs said at least one other lawmaker's cat attended the hearing and others, another's dog barked briefly in the background. Lawmakers' children have also popped up, she said. Lawmakers have been conducting much of their business remotely because of the coronavirus pandemic. Hunt did not respond to a request for comment, nor did the House Speaker's Office to clarify whether the pet prohibition extends to other committees. Should pets and children be banned from Zoom and other official online meetings? <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> uh, all I can say is I can relate to that. That's happened to me more than a few times around here. <laughs> Well, the Los Angeles Police Department has arrested six people for allegedly altering the famous Hollywood sign to read Holly Boob. The prank, <laughs> the, the prank occurred early Monday afternoon in the Hollywood Hills. The six-person group covered the letters W and D to look like the, letters B, um, the letter B. Uh, by affixing what appear to be tarps to the sign, according to NBC Los Angeles. LAPD Sergeant Leonard Cauldron said participants told an officer they made the change to raise awareness of breast cancer. Was, Was this brand of graffiti too graphic or a legit PR prank? At least by, at least by Hollywood standards. Well, you know, in this day and generation, women—that's uh, a—that—that's a great thing for women because they're proud of their anatomy and their—they want to be—they um, want to be viewed as human beings with feelings of their own and, and be able to possess the anatomy that God has given them. Yeah. Um, my husband yeah. used. Stop in Hollywood, you all know, for many years, many, many years, and I spent time out there. It's really hard to get close to that Hollywood sign. That, uh, yes. Um, and it originally said Hollywood, Hollywood Land, only like a real estate. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I yeah, well, remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was initially a real estate ad, wasn't it? It was a real estate ad, and now it's just yeah. become a beloved, beloved thing. But I have so our family has a lot of connections with Hollywood over the last 30, 35 years. Well, New Zealand authorities have sentenced a woman who tried in 2019 to smuggle nearly a thousand cacti and succulents into the country strapped to her body. The woman, Ooh. Wing. <laughs> um, 38 uh, pled guilty to violating biosecurity laws after she was caught twice with plants and seeds at Auckland International Airport when returning home to the city from China. New Zealand's Ministry for Primary uh, Industries said in a statement on Wednesday, she was uh, sentenced to intensive supervision for 12 months and 100 hours of community work. The island nation has some of the world's strictest biosecurity laws to protect its agriculture and biodiversity. According to authorities, the woman was a seller and trader of succulents on TradeMe, a classified website similar to Craigslist. How tough do you have to be to smuggle cacti strapped to your body? (laughs) Uh, How tough do you have to be to put a cactus close to your body? That's, yeah, that's, say, that's what I'm saying. Be built into right there. Right? <laughs> she may have suffered enough already. To bring those yeah. in. What's next? She hiding hiding porcupines under your coat? Lordy, <laughs> lordy. That's about it. 
Yes. And that's quite, awesome. a, quite a history, but uh, yikes, unbelievable. The things people do. Well, that wraps it up uh, for today's edition of Armchair Politics. We have about <laughs> three minutes left if anybody wants to make any final comments. Jan? I, I, you know, I realize this got very heated today. Uh, Henry, I, you know, I, I don't want to offend you, and I have great respect for you. And um, I think these are tough times. And um, so, you know, I, if, I, if I offended you beyond the boundaries of good taste, I, I apologize. <laughs> Oh, Jan, you, you never offend me. You, you have such great sense, and people have to understand that I have a respect for you that, I, that other people can't get close to. Well, and I'll, I'll, so I'll, second, I'll second Jan's comments. I think, Henry's for, for all the flack we give you, you are always a gentleman about it. And I, I've, I, I've no, I know a good many uh, strong Trump supporters that have as friends, and you are far, far and away the most... Uh, gentlemanly and open, open-minded of all of them. So I, it's a pleasure to have you here. And, and you know, good government, I, can, I can't function without the good government of both Democrats and Republicans. Right. I hate to see a country of yeah. all Republicans. I, I don't want to live in a country without a multicultural race or pluralistic race. That's what I'm used to. That's what I love. I don't want to go back to Africa. I don't want to go to Australia. Right. This is my country. And I was going to say, I don't think Jan picks on Henry nearly as much as Woodrow Stanley does. Oh, Woodrow Stanley. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He does a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, all three of you are wonderful. Henry, it's it's always a pleasure to have you uh, as a regular on the show, Henry Hatter. Thank you. And Paul... um, you know, we've we've had a lot of these uh, conversations, not just with armchair politics, but on other subjects, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure, and I appreciate your participation so much. Great to be here. And Jan, you're always a treat to have join us uh, from time to time at the uh, round table here. Well, thank you. I, I get hot once in a while. I appreciate your tolerance of my venting from time to time. <laughs> That's Jan Worth Nelson, and and as I mentioned. Uh, course uh we're just a, a couple of minutes away from them banging the gavel at the u.s senate to pick up uh, on the uh, second impeachment trial and we'll be talking about uh, today's events and the events of uh, yesterday in the u.s senate with constitutional law professor brendan beery tomorrow on the show so be sure and, and uh, tune in for that he always has some interesting things to say and I'm curious about the constitutionality issue and as I said earlier in the show um, I, I don't trust the Senate to make that distinction should <laughs> oh, be interesting yeah well thank you all thank you thank you it's a pleasure And there's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the the living room. But uh, I will be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. As I mentioned, uh, constitutional law professor Brendan Beery will kick off the show with me tomorrow to talk about the uh, events of today and yesterday in the U.S. Senate regarding the second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. And with that... uh, See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. 
we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.